ever in modern history. You're listening to the news on RTHK. AM, FM, and live online. This is Radio 3. Good morning, it's 8.03 in Hong Kong on Wednesday the 4th of May. Welcome to your daily business and finance briefing. Right here on Money Talk on Radio 3, this is Peter Lewis. Hong Kong's COVID-hit economy collapsed 4% year-on-year in the first quarter. That's far worse than economists' forecasts of a decline of 1.3% and way down from an expansion of 4.7% in the last three months of 2021 as the economy was battered by COVID restrictions, business shutdowns and a slump in trade with the mainland. It was the first quarterly contraction since the end of 2020 when the economy was in a recession that lasted for two years. Hong Kong Chief Executive Carrie Lam said Tuesday that COVID restrictions will be further lifted from tomorrow. The number of diners allowed at tables will be increased from four to eight. Swimming pools, beaches and water playgrounds will be reopened and residents will be allowed to take their masks off at outdoor sports venues and in country parks. She also said the second stage of relaxations was on track for May the 19th, including the reopening of previously closed businesses such as bars, nightclubs, karaoke lounges and mahjong parlours. The exchange fund, managed by the Hong Kong Monetary Authority, lost 55 billion Hong Kong dollars on its portfolio in the first three months of 2022. The quarterly investment income loss was the biggest since a $112 billion shortfall in the first quarter of 2020. HKMA's Deputy Chief Executive Howard Lee told lawmakers Tuesday that the quarterly loss was about 1% of the fund's portfolio size versus the stock market's 5% loss in the same period. On today's Money Talk, we're joined by Dickie Wong at Kingston Securities, David Friedland of Interactive Brokers, and RTHK's international economics correspondent, Barry Wood. Money Talk on RTHK Radio 3. US stocks ended higher on Tuesday following a choppy trading session. The Federal Reserve's Monetary Policy Committee has started its two-day meeting and is almost certain to raise rates by 50 basis points in its announcement in the early hours of Thursday morning Hong Kong time. It will be the first half-point rate hike since 2000 and policymakers are likely to announce plans to trim the central bank's $9 trillion balance sheet. On Wall Street, the blue chip S&P 500 index ended the day half a percent higher at 4,175. The Dow added 67 points to end the session at 33,129. The Nasdaq Composite inched up 0.2% to 12,564. Trading volumes were around 10% below average. After the closing bell, coffee chain operator Starbucks revealed the hit to its business from the lockdowns in China. Global sales rose 7% in the first quarter driven by the North American market, but international sales growth declined, propelled by a 23% drop in store sales in China. The company said challenges from the restrictions in China continued in its second quarter. Revenues rose 15% to $7.64 billion and profit climbed 2.3% to $675 million. Shares of Starbucks are up up 4% in after-hours trading. 
The pan-European stock 600 index climbed half a percent. London's FTSE 100 rose 0.2%. Hong Kong stocks opened on the back foot yesterday morning, but recovered ground as the day came to a close. The Hang Seng index, which was down over 2% at the low of the day, closed 13 points or 0.1% higher at 21,102. The Hang Seng Tech Index, which jumped 10% Friday, fell 1.4% yesterday, taking its losses to over 22% in 2022 so far. Mainland markets are closed until Thursday for a public holiday. Shares of HSBC rose 2.6% and Ping An by 105% in Hong Kong yesterday. HSBC is under mounting pressure to break up after its largest shareholder, Chinese insurer Ping An, told the bank to split its Asian and Western operations, according to the Financial Times. In the commodities markets, Brent crude oil is down 1.6% at $105.88 a barrel. U.S. natural gas surged as much as 9% to its highest level since 2008, before ending the day 6.4% higher. Gold is trading a third of a percent higher at $1,869 an ounce. The U.S. 10-year Treasury bond yield was unchanged at 2.98% after hitting 3% on Monday for the first time since 2018. And Australia's three-year government bond yields jumped as much as 18 basis points, rising above 3% for the first time since 2014, after the Reserve Bank of Australia raised interest rates for the first time in 11 years, and by more than expected. The RBA raised the cash rate by 25 basis points to 0.35%. The US dollar index which hit a 20-year high last week, dropped 0.1%. The euro's at $1.05 and a quarter cents. The bucks at 130.1. Japanese yen. Sterling is trading at $1.25 and 9 Hong Kong dollars and 81 cents. Bitcoin, uh, the Chinese yuan is at 6.64 and a half in offshore markets. Bitcoin is down over 2% at $37,700. Markets in mainland China, Japan and Thailand are closed for public holidays today. In Australia, the SX200 is up 0.7%. The Cosby uh, in South Korea up about 0.4% and futures markets indicating a rise of about 20 points for the Hang Seng at the Open this morning. Coming up to 8.10, let's welcome our guests over in our Queensway studio. We have David Friedland, Managing Director for Asia Pacific at Interactive Brokers. Morning, David. Good morning. And on the phone, we have Dickie Wong, Head of Research at Kingston Securities. Welcome back, Dickie. Good morning, all. And over in Washington, D.C., we have our international economics correspondent, Barry Wood. Morning to you, Barry. Good morning you, Peter. Let's start with uh, these dreadful GDP figures out of Hong Kong yesterday. The Census and Statistics Department reported in its advanced estimates that GDP collapsed 4% year-on-year in the first quarter. That was far worse than what economists were forecasting. They were expecting a decline of 1.3%. It was also way down from what was an expansion of 4.7% in the last three months of 2021. It's the first quarterly contraction since the end of 2020, when the economy was in a recession that lasted for two years. On a seasonally adjusted quarter-to-quarter basis, GDP decreased by 2.9% in real terms. And some details that make up that number 
Total exports of goods recorded a decline of 4.5% from a year earlier against a 13.5% increase in the fourth quarter. Imports of goods slumped 5.9% after increasing 9.9% in the fourth quarter. And Hong Kong recorded an 8.3% drop in gross domestic fixed capital formation, which is a measure of investment confidence in the economy in the first quarter. Private consumption was down 5.4% year on year. Dickie, do you want to kick off with this? This is way below even the worst, worst forecasts uh, that we saw right. beforehand. Well, what's gone wrong? Well, uh, honestly speaking, even worse than my expectations. Um, uh, as we all know, like the Hong Kong hit by um, the fifth wave of pandemic, it came into no surprise that uh, most of the restaurants were closed. We can't have dinner outside. And basically, we can only stay home in, in the in the past uh, couple of months, so this is already a period. Um, it came into no surprise that um, the the first quarter of the GDP um, dropped compared to uh, on a year basis or compared to fourth quarter. But uh, the data came in like even worse than my expectation. Uh, but I, I would expect um, the second round of the. Uh, I mean, consumption um, voucher may help a little bit for local people to do some grocery and, uh, uh, yeah, have, have some kind of like dinner and normally at restaurants. But, but honestly mm. speaking, we have to bear in mind some of the restaurants already closed down. For and good. They're not going to open yeah. again. Yep, I even, know a lot uh, of them in my even, area. Even, exactly. Even uh, the relaxation um, after the fifth round of the, the, the pandemic in Hong Kong. So the situation may slightly uh, getting better, but uh, not a fully recovered, what I believe. But uh, as we all know, the local Hong Kong economy it does it, 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 it do not uh, contribute a lot to the Hong Kong local stock market. We, we still have to pay attention to all the policies in mainland mm. and so on. But uh, in terms of um, the local and consumer expenditure, in terms of the, the local economy, and even when we talk about the uh, the local property sectors, uh, I don't I don't really see so much upside, no matter the, the rent um, or even the business. Mm. David, I mean, we were expecting it to be bad because of the zero COVID policy that we're trying to achieve here in the Omicron outbreak. But there were things that were quite worrying, wasn't there? I mean, for example, the sizable decline in goods exports, uh, which suggests there's been a a drop in demand between Hong Kong and the mainland, probably because of the lockdowns in, in Chinese cities there as well. Yeah, I think it's... I mean. The, the biggest factor was that they locked down the planes and the risk of uh, cargo coming in and the airlines getting shut down for 14 days and all the crew getting uh, put up in quarantine, which made it very difficult for, for goods to come in and to go out. And so I, I don't think it's such a huge surprise that we overshot and, and things are so poor. I mean, you walk around the streets, it was just dead. Mm-hmm. So I think things are actually going to rebound faster than – um, expected because now it's a one-week quarantine. Flights are not being canceled. Hopefully, goods start coming in. Um, I, th- I think a bigger worry is the Shanghai uh, lockdown, where there's a massive backlog of shipping containers. Um, where you know it's tough to you know restaurants have to be open, but they have to get the goods to to um, to serve serve the clientele. And the same thing with going to the stores and shopping. We just have to have some some new product, I guess. Do, do you think then 
this is the bottom in terms of the, 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 the nadir, if you like, in the economy, given that we are starting to reopen and are the, the, the limited measures that have been taken so far to reopen, are there going to be enough uh, to get the economy back on its feet? I, I think it's a kickstart. I mean, it's, it's a noticeable difference between last week and two weeks ago with the number of people on the street, all the restaurants are full. It's impossible to get a, a reservation at a high-end restaurant. Mm -hmm. um, so people going out there spending. I think the biggest thing is we have to get tourists back to Hong Kong, and that's not going to happen until you allow home quarantine or some sort of limited um, quarantine. One, one mm -hmm. week in a hotel for someone on vacation is a lot. Barry, there's, there's one particular aspect of this that I wanted to ask you about. Uh, Hong Kong recorded an 8.3% drop in gross domestic fixed capital formation, which in effect is a measure of investment confidence into Hong Kong. And it suggests that, you know, Hong Kong companies are really um, down and out about Hong Kong. They're just not investing here. Is that something that you're detecting over in the US, that, that US uh, companies have lost confidence in, in uh, Hong Kong and are not investing anywhere near as much here now? My, my, my. I'm not sure about that, Peter. I frankly am going to have to pass on that. I just don't have enough information. My sense is that uh, all of greater China is really experiencing a decline in U.S. private direct investment. But I don't have any figures in front of me, and I, uh, it's an excellent question that I cannot answer. Mm. Do, you th do you think companies are rethinking the size of their presence in the city? Because we've seen this big outflow of residents, and, and particularly um, expats. A lot of global companies are saying it's getting really hard to, to hire here now. People just don't want to come. Well, of that, there's no doubt. That is the case, and I don't know how that's going to be reversed. That is a serious issue for Hong Kong, and I don't think that it's been made clear what the American and European firms that are leaving are going to do. They take a flight to uh, Singapore or to Shanghai. Well, look, it's all in transition. You know, listening to these reports that you've mentioned about the Hong Kong economy in the Q1, this is the same kind of thing you could say about the U.S. Mm -hmm. and indeed Europe. When you've got so many uncertainties in the global economy, we're seeing a hesitation coming out of COVID, no doubt. It's such a contrast, though, with other places in the region. So Singapore, South Korea, Taiwan, all had GDP growth of more than 3% in the first quarter. Here in Hong Kong, with zero COVID, we contract 4%. It's such a contrast, isn't it? Dicky? Oh, ex exactly. Um, as we all know, like um, the local economy dropped significantly in the first quarter. And, uh, but yeah, the zero COVID policy, it, it gives a uh, big uh, hot heat to the local Hong Kong economy. And as we all know, like another sector also, um, I mean, drives the downturn, the U-turn for the second quarter GDP locally and not only Hong Kong, but also in mainland China. Mm. As we all know, like uh, Federal Reserve will have another hike of 50 basis point in May, no question asked. Maybe it's another 75 basis point in uh, June that may be already on the table. So it gives a very hard pressure to the, 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 the depreciation of the renminbi. As we all know, um, the renminbi, I mean, the offshore um, renminbi just um, stay actually above 6.7. This is a very key uh, psychological support level. Yeah. So what if 
finally drop below this level, it creates a, uh, even a, a, a serious uh, money outflow from mainland. But I, I guess this level may find some kind of support in the in the near future. Yep. But uh, yep. like in, in terms of like money outflow from mainland, this is a very clear tendency, not only from the bond market, but also from the stock market as well in, in March. Mm. So this uh, may create some kind of money outflow. Not only expatriate is living, uh, are living in Hong Kong, uh, 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 they're not coming back, but um, yeah, money also outflow. That's another problem. But mm. uh, I guess the, the, the local, I mean, Hong Kong government may be aware of this situation, but nothing they can really do. But uh, Chinese government, actually, they're uh, aware of this kind of situation. So they have to, uh, I mean, um, cut of the reserve requirement ratio, both on, on renminbi and also on um, foreign, um, I mean, money. So this may stabilize a little bit um, the, 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 the depreciation of the renminbi, but uh, also okay. give some kind of support to the uh, the local economy. David, 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 let me ask you about this point about the investment, the big collapse in investment that we've seen in Hong Kong, from uh, particularly from international companies. Do you think it will come back once um, once these measures are relaxed? Do you think companies um, that have lost a lot of um, employees now uh, from Hong Kong, do you think they will regain their confidence in the city and start investing again? Well, honestly speaking... No, no, let, let, let's uh, just want to bring David in. Let me, let me ask David yeah. as well. <laughs> sure. But my thought is it's a, the confidence is already broken, so it's going to take a long time to heal. So it's a baby steps. Right now you have to show that we're not going to lock down again. Schools will remain open. I, I think a big factor for, for expats is, is, and actually anyone in Hong Kong for that matter, is if you have young kids, are they going to go to school? You're missing out a big piece of their childhood. So you have to get that confidence back. It'll take some time, but there's no doubt based on our location, business, the money, the economy, and, and jobs, I think Hong Kong will eventually return. Now, of course, the, picking up on the point Dickie made, uh, David, we're going to see um, a sharp rise in U.S. interest rates. We're expecting 50 basis points tomorrow morning. That, of course, is going to have repercussions in Hong Kong as well. I think they're in a bit of a conundrum. Do you follow the U.S. and raise rates here to, to, to keep the, um, the dollar and, Hong Kong dollar in line? Or do you, do you leave it? So it's certainly going to be a big impact on the property sector. Um, and with the tightening of the money supply, um, China is actually loosening the money supply. It's going to be quite interesting in the years to come. Barry, what should we be expecting from the, the Fed overnight? Well, I, th I don't think there's much doubt now, Peter. We're going to get uh, 50 basis points, and, and that is a rapid turnaround. Let's not forget that it was only back in uh, March that we had the first of the tightening increases, and that was 25 basis points. I think Jay Powell is terrified that inflation genie could get out of the bottle, and he is determined to put it back in. Therefore, he's going to go to, I mean, it's all been telegraphed, so we're going to get 50 basis points. I think maybe the key question is, what's going to happen about, you know, reversing the, the, the bond buying? Mm -hmm. uh, will will that stand pat or will that change? But, uh, you know, interesting, Peter, if you look at the past tightening cycles, usually there are eight increases over at least an 18-month or 12 to 18-month period. So we're so early into this. I think that uh, Jay Powell and the FOMC are determined to be flexible. This may not be a tightening cycle that goes mm -hmm. very far, depending on how the economy responds.
Do you have any thoughts on how the Fed has got inflation so badly wrong? Because we've never really had an explanation. Because for for most of last year, uh, for most of 2021, they were talking about inflation being transitory. So many people were warning the Fed last year to raise interest rates while you can do it gradually. Otherwise, the risk is uh, the Fed's going to have to slam on the brakes later. Now it is slamming on the brakes. How has it lost the plot so badly? (laughs) Well, I think events just uh, sort of overran all of those very nice projections and that nice rhetoric from Jay Powell. You know, the, the, the COVID problem and the explosion of the Omicron variant that was a big factor. Then you had this logistics jam up. And then you had this big run up in the oil price. So, yes, I, I think we have to be a little bit charitable towards the Fed that these things all happened at once and most were unexpected. I mean, it, it turns out it's the same old story, isn't it? We've seen it time and time again. Inflation is just the death knell for the economy. It eats into your earnings, uses up all your income gains. Uh, We've seen it time and time again. Inflation was rising for months and the Fed didn't do anything. Well, you're right. But hindsight is 2020. And uh, yes, I mean, we can look back and and what you've just said is correct. But uh, I uh, give the Fed just a bit of slack. (laughs) <laughs> um, Dickie, do you think I'm being unfair on the Fed? I mean, even if we get uh, interest rates now to 1%, um, inflation's 8.5%. They're still way, way behind the curve, aren't they? Well, definitely fair comment for the uh, Federal Reserve, what they did and uh, what they will do. Uh, but honestly speaking, yeah, they will speed up their um, interest rate hiking cycle. That's no question asked. But in terms of like um, people are now expecting Federal um, Reserve may hike. 50 basis point and out of 70 basis point in, in June. And um, in December, the Fed's target rate may be as high as 3% and 3.25. So this creates a lot of problems, um, especially to Hong Kong because there is currency pack and um, local Hong Kong dollar, yeah, will remain weak to the weak end, like 7.85, and also no question asked. And this is a, a negative factor for the local uh, Hong Kong stock market. But what I would expect, it's uh, if yeah, U.S. may... Um, Take another 75 basis point in June, but if they slow down a little bit, um, the interest rate hiking um, in the third or fourth quarter, it may give a little bit boost to the Hong Kong um, stock market as well, not only the U.S. stock market, because when uh, the local Hong Kong dollar strengthen a little bit, not, not, not by so much, but at least a little bit, it may like give some kind of support to the, the Hong Kong stock market. But uh, nothing we can do right now because mm-hmm. we are so passively. Um, we cannot act uh, on our um, monetary policy. We can only follow. And um, second of all, it also depends on how the, uh, the COVID situation in Shanghai and also uh, fiscal and um, I mean monetary policy uh, probably will be introduced by the, um, the the mainland government, and actually right after the pandemic in uh, in Shanghai mm. uh, ease. So it, it all depends on the policies right mm. now. Dave, in, uh, in David, where, where where do you think the Fed's got to get to? Because real rates are getting more and more negative, even with the Fed um, tightening. They're they're just falling further and further behind, aren't they? So how far have they got to go? I I I, I really don't know. I, 
I think they need a stroke of good luck. They've been hit with <laughs> they've been hit with everything. You have a war. You have severe drought in, on the west coast of the states. There's food supply shortages, logistic challenges. If you get another variant of uh, COVID running around the world, it can slow things down. I, I just think they're due for some good fortune, hopefully. It's not going to come, though, is it? If you listen to <laughs> no, the projections of the World Trade Organization, the World Bank, these food shortages are going to get worse. Uh, supply uh, chain disruptions are going to get worse. They're probably not going to get the luck this year. No, I don't see it happening. Mm. Yes, I think you've got that right, uh, David. I, I, I think uh, both uh, you and Peter are right on this one. Look, what is the stock market globally, but particularly in the States, telling us? Hard times are ahead. This is a delicate transition we're in. The Fed will be very lucky if they can raise rates without really throwing this economy into a downturn. And where are all the workers going? A record four and a half million U.S. workers quit the labor force uh, in March. The number of job openings hit a new high of 11.5 million. Companies just can't fill uh, their openings. Where, where, where are the workers going? Well, they're doing nothing. I mean, there's still <laughs> a, so much money in the economy. All of the stimulus that came from the, the COVID problem and, and, and the efforts that the fiscal and monetary policy made to provide stimulus to keep demand high, that is now running off, but there's a residual. So I, I don't worry about that myself, Peter. I think that, uh, yes, no one wants to go back to work. We still got a work from home environment, but mm -hmm. that's gonna change because the money's not there. And I think that the unemployment rate, which is exceedingly low, may in fact start to show the pressure the other direction. But, you know, I may be wrong on this. David, it seems like the Goldilocks economy, though, is over, isn't it? Where it was not too hot, not too cold. It sounds like we're either going to get one or the other soon. Yeah, I, I think that's probably a good thing. I, I don't know. I actually enjoy work. I don't know what I would do if I was sitting at home all day um, doing nothing. So I'm confused about this whole economy. Um, there's more to life than money. Well, yes, that's true. Dickie, last thoughts from you on, on the market. Mainland markets closed, but they had a big bounce on Friday after this news that the Politburo wanted to see more support for the economy, uh, better policies for the market. It was going to ease mm -hmm. up on the tech crackdown. Do you think that's put a bottom in for the markets now? I do think so. As I've just said, mentioned, um, the RMB um, weakened to uh, 6.7 and find some kind of support and also relaxation on policy and regulations towards all the tech company in mainland. Uh, this is a big hope for the Hong Kong stock market. So I, I think the, the, the local stock market may stabilize at this level and may continue to rebound um, after the, uh, the, the long holiday in mainland. David, what do you think? Do you think the authorities now have put a, a floor under the market now and we're, we're, we've seen the bottom? I think temporarily because they're going to flood. They're going to make sure they flood the, the economy with money. So I think easy money will lead to a rising market. Okay, great. Well, we'll have an update tomorrow morning on Money Talk on what the Fed does overnight. The decision will come about 2 a.m. Hong Kong time. You heard there David Friedland, Managing Director for Asia Pacific at Interactive Brokers. Uh, Dickie Wong, Head of Research at Kingston Securities. And Barry Wood, our International Economics Correspondent over in Washington, D.C. You're listening to Money Talk on RTHK Radio 3. 
Let's take a final look at the markets for this morning, the ones that are open anyway. Down in Australia, the SX200 is up 0.6%. Shares in Japan and also on the mainland closed for a public holiday. Cosby in South Korea up about a third of percent. Looks like a flat o- flattish open for the Hang Seng here in Hong Kong in about an hour's time. Coming up after the news, we have the COVID updates this morning with, J- J- uh, with Janice Wong and Anna Fenton. Let me give you an update on the weather forecast. It's going to be fine and dry, hot during the day. Uh, maximum temperature of about 28 degrees, mainly fine and hot tomorrow. It's going to become cloudier with more showers gradually in the following couple of days. Temperature right now is 24 degrees, 56% relative humidity. Times 8.31. Here's Andrew Shrosky with the half-hour news. Thank you, Peter. The Russian military has intensified bombardment of a besieged Ukrainian steelworks after the first civilians to be evacuated from the site reached safety. The United Nations says 101 people were picked up from the Azovstal plant in Mariupol, where they'd spent weeks underground in desperate conditions. The mayor of Mariupol, Vadim Bochenko, said many civilians were still desperate to leave the city. Many people are still there, innocent civilians, residents of Mariupol, who'll be waiting for a long time to be evacuated, and they pray to be evacuated, and it's not always possible for it to take place. We have to engage our international partners, international expertise. You know, 100,000 local people are still awaiting evacuation from Mariupol. The British Prime Minister Boris Johnson has addressed the Ukrainian parliament by video link, the first Western leader to do so since the Russian assault began. In his speech, Mr. Johnson said that in standing up to a brutal aggressor, this was Ukraine's finest hour, echoing Winston Churchill's wartime speech to the British parliament in 1940. He also announced a new package of 375 million U.S. dollars of military aid to Ukraine. In the coming weeks, we in the U.K. will be sending you brimstone anti-ship missiles and stormer anti-aircraft systems. And we're providing armoured vehicles to evacuate civilians from areas under attack and protect officials, as uh, what Volodymyr mentioned to me in uh, our most recent call, protect officials while they maintain critical infrastructure. The Senate Majority Leader in the United States, Chuck Schumer, says he plans to hold a vote as early as next week on enshrining the right to an abortion into federal law. It follows the leaking of a draft Supreme Court ruling showing that the justices plan to scrap the nationwide legal right to terminate a pregnancy. A vote on this legislation is no longer an abstract exercise. This is as urgent and as real as it gets. We will vote to protect a woman's right to choose, and every American is going to see which side every senator stands on. An anti-royalist punk rock anthem is being re-released to coincide with Queen Elizabeth's Platinum Jubilee next month. God Save the Queen by the Sex Pistols caused a scandal when it first appeared in 1977. The BBC's Mark Savage has this report. You wouldn't have heard this in 1977. Back then, the BBC and commercial radio stations all refused to play God Save the Queen, and many record stores wouldn't stock the single. Despite that, it reached number two in the charts, and now it has another shot at the top, with thousands of vinyl copies being reissued for the Platinum Jubilee. This time, it's unlikely to cause the same sort of uproar. You're listening to the news on RTHK.
Good morning and welcome to COVID Update. I'm Jim Gould and your co-host today is Anna Fenton. Good morning, Anna. Good morning, Jim. This morning we'll be talking about the further easing of social distancing rules with beaches and swimming pools reopening from tomorrow. While there'll be no longer any need to wear a mask if you're exercising outside,